0: The following show is brought to you by MTN Business. Everywhere you go, MTN.
1: The Big Small Business Show is proudly brought to you
0: by Saika. Choose a difference maker, choose a chartered accountant. it's 2022 i hope 2022 is too 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 good for you uh, i should uh, not be doing that for a living welcome to the big small business show it's the show for all our fantastic entrepreneurs i hope i hope you've all had a fantastic break and you've uh, come back refreshed and ready to hit this year with everything you've got last year was terrible the year before was terrible but this year is going to be great, I know it, I can feel it in my bones. And a very big thank you to Saika for renewing their sponsorship. From myself and the team, if I can speak for all our viewers, a big, big thank you. Now, at the end of November 2021, Saika announced the results of the annual Top 35 Under 35 competition. The overall winner was Nicholas Rima. He, he is, not was, he is co-founder and CEO of The Invigilator. Welcome.
1: Hi Alon, thanks. Nice to be chatting to you. So what is the Invigilator? So the Invigilator is an application that allows students to write examinations remotely. So I think the importance was when COVID came around, most students now to write the exams from home, and we created an application that allows exam integrity to be maintained. So typically students are now writing under the correct exam conditions.
0: You, the, it's not just you, it's the, there's uh, s- three others that started the business. So what what uh, made you actually, st- there's
1: always a, an inception point, what made you start the business? Correct, yeah. So I was fortunate when I was doing my CA to do academic articles for one of the years and I got to know a lot of the, the senior professors at UJ quite well and uh, at the beginning of 2020 I was working with Deavolt Hubert in, in setting one of the finance questions and the conversation started around well how are these students going to actually right now going forward considering the lockdown that, that obviously impacted, you know, the, the, the academic space. So myself, Diavol Hubert, and Yuri Vessels—they both senior lecturers at the University of Johannesburg. Fortunately, my brother's a software engineer. So the four of us started exploring the, the the gap in the market from an academic point of view, and just where solutions were currently falling short from an international point of view, and how we could potentially get together and make a, a South African solution, you know, by academics for academics. Yeah,
0: and and it sounds great, and. Uh, you've probably got some traction, but I've uh, been around uh, entrepreneurs
1: for a long time. It normally comes with a lot of hiccups on the way. Absolutely, so I think, um, you know, when we first launched the the, the solution, there was obviously a lot of, of server configuration that needed to be, you know, needed to be adopted. And I think that we really saw that in 2021 when we had 250,000 Unisa students making use of the application. And I think you can do all the stress testing you, you want, but when you really see it, you know, when, when those students are all logging on at 8 a.m. on Monday morning to write their examinations, yeah. you know, to make sure your architecture is correct was definitely one of the major focal points of 2021. And I think one of our major success stories to say that we did it and all of those UNISA students successfully utilize the application and uh, yeah, without any hiccups. Have you got any other clients other than UNISA? So we've got 15 of, of the sort of the major universities in South Africa currently making use of the application. UNISA is the biggest one. UJ also making use of it. Then you've got your Rhodes' and your Boston City campuses, your NWUs, your DUTs.
0: And your revenue model is, uh, is pay per paper or how does, it, how does that work?
1: So coming from a sort of an academic background the 3 of us it was very important for us to, do, you know, to create a model that allowed universities to sort of implement continuous assessment and in order to do that We wanted to do it on a fixed pricing model where the universities could make use of the application as much as they needed to. Because we wanted that constant engagement with students, not just to produce a product that allowed them to write, for example, the year-end examination, the high-risk examination. We wanted a product that was available for students to use for short 15-minute tests, assignments, projects, tests, and your big year-end examinations. So we sell a a license fee to the university so they pay per student and allows that student to utilize the application for a 12-month period for as many times as that student needs.
0: Okay. And and just in terms of you know, one of the questions I know that you have for me is around
1: scale, right? So is there a specific uh, question around scale or just general? So I think, I mean, for us this year, you know, 2021 was a major focus on, on South Africa and building the moat around, you know, the market that we know best. And I think we've, we've come head to head with a lot of the big international proctoring companies in doing that. And we've we've successfully, you know, acquired a large amount of the market share. And I think this year, 2022 is gonna be a big focus on international expansion. So I think the question I have for you is, do we go large US capital raise, bring on a big EdTech partner that way, or do we adopt the, the reseller agreement you know per different international territory
0: for me uh, and uh, it's a it's a hard binary question you're asking me here and i I don't have enough information to give you a clear answer but given the information that i have i have right now and my slight insight into the the edtech space uh, being an investor in that space as well My view is that if four guys can produce this in their their garage with some local funding here, there's 400,000 other guys that can do it as well. So for me, it's a land grab, it's a relationship grab, it's an exclusivity grab. I'd move as quickly as possible. um, And so I would move to a a big second round, a big funding to, 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 to do that because you're gonna find people will leapfrog you Uh, from a technology point of view you'll keep up here but you and then the ability then to adapt that for all the the user uh, instances in different countries where there's different configurations different nuances in those uh, environments it's going to take a huge amount of not just time but money to actually know what uh, um, uh, the Czech Republic how they do it differently to Know the Ukraine versus the US versus the UK. So I would go quickly, uh, I'll start off slow and then ramp very, very quickly. That would be my advice to you. Perfect. Thanks, Alan. Well, it's a brand new year, and uh, so I want to start this year by giving you a gift. I want to give you four rudders, four pointers for this year as entrepreneurs. I work with entrepreneurs uh, every single day of my life and I watch so many of them make the same mistakes in, in their businesses every single year. So let's start off with point number one. And that is that being the beginning of this year, you've got to be working on your vision and be as elaborate on your v- vision as you can. Without a vision, there is no direction for your, for your business. Now, many entrepreneurs make the fatal mistake of mixing their strategy with their their vision. So, if you ask an entrepreneur, what is your vision, they'll say, oh, we want to be in five new markets. Well, that's where you want to be. A strategy is how are you going to get there. Now, what the research shows is there's a a professor, Mark Lipton, shows that uh, entrepreneurs who have more elaborate visions actually creates uh, better, more successful businesses. And uh, other research shows that the entrepreneurs that actually take the time to write out, visually represent in graphic form, r- write down uh, I- in written form, in numeric form, any way that they can present their vision both to themselves so that their, their mind can absorb it and to, to their staff are more likely to have successful businesses. So point number one is take the time to actually elaborate on your vision and do not, do not, whatever you do, do not have a single sentence as a vision statement. It's a bad, bad, bad thing. I wish we never had that word. Point number two is once, once you've got your, your vision is to actually spend time building out your strategy. What many entrepreneurs unfortunately do is that they build a strategy based on the easiest way from point A to point Z. If point Z is their their vision and point A is where they think they are, they normally have a straight line between A and Z and don't put much rigor into ascertaining whether or not there is uh, another route and a better strategy, a better way to get to their vision. So in order to do that, my strong suggestion in building strategy is to work with other people that you trust in order to ask you the tough questions around your strategy. Why did you make that assumption? Is it still true? What about this, what about that, what about the next thing? The more questions that people ask you, the more questions you ask yourself or, or allow your team to ask you around your strategy, the more rigorous your strategy will be. and, and the. R- research shows that the more rigorous a strategy the more successful you will be so number one build the vision number two build the strategy to take you to that vision number three is about building or what we call the execution items in your business so what are the execution what do you need to actually do in order to make sure that your strategy is implemented once again the research shows, I keep talking about this research, th- and the research is lots and lots of books, but what the research shows is that most entrepreneurs that come up with a strategy, which is actually only around 30% of of businesses, that most of them do not execute on that strategy. They don't do what is needed to be done. And a simple way of thinking it of it is called OPTT, which is... What are the objectives? What are the projects? What are the tasks? And what are the targets? OPTT. Once I've got the strategy, you ask yourself, what do I need to actually be doing? And more importantly, and we'll get to that in point four, what do other people need to be doing in order to make sure that the strategy is executed? And when you do that, you have to prioritize which ones you're going to do first and which second, third, et and then synchronize the whole thing. So vision, strategy, the actual execution items in a prioritized and synchronized way, which leads us to our last point, which is to delegate. If you're going to grow your business and you know that I've been pushing the word scale over the last year, Uh, On the big small business show if you are going to scale you are going to have to scale through other people And that means you have to delegate and not abdicate but delegate That means that you have to give them these objectives or projects or tasks or targets and then manage that So through delegation is always management delegation without management is abdication vision strategy execution items delegation four tips for this year